0: Why did we start this podcast, Ammo?
1: Because we're in a pandemic, and I hadn't left my apartment in over a year. That's why.
0: OK, fair, true, valid. But think of our mission.
1: Uh, to open up the discussion around death, make it more accessible for people to process grief. Hmm.
0: Although everyone grieves differently, in our very first episode, we talked about trying to shift the focus on celebrating and honouring life a little bit more, rather than only mourning a death. Yeah. Well, on today's show, we're speaking to an expert who does exactly that.
1: Ooh, nice. She's got the
0: coolest job title. Are you ready? Okay. Hit me with it. She's a, wait for it, life cycle celebrant.
1: That is the most filler team-o job title I've ever heard in my life. Love it. Tell me more.
0: Her name is Linda Stewart. She creates and performs a one of a kind ceremonies for all of life's big and small moments, and she specializes in funerals.
1: Okay, but what exactly does she do?
0: Well, to summarize it, she organizes celebrations, designs ceremonies, and reinvents rituals in a secular way. So for funerals, she organizes celebrations that focus on capturing how the person was during life.
1: That's amazing, like celebrating their life rather than mourning their death. Attending one of those funerals would be uh, quite the experience.
0: Mm -hmm. She primarily focuses on a secular approach as it comes to funerals, making sure that the ceremonies and rituals authentically reflect the person who died. She explains this, but to give you a little bit of a teaser, she notes how there's this idea that religion and funerals go hand in hand, and she works to disprove this way of thinking.
1: Makes sense that she focuses on secular groups, because good luck peeling religious people away from their depressing traditions. (laughs) Hey guys, why don't we uh, try this different thing where we can actually try to know you're going to be sad and cold in a church and you're going to like it, or not. (laughs)
0: Side note, no offense to the religious people listening, please. Mm -hmm. You are accepted here. Safe space. With that being said, her approach actually encourages people to experience the lows from grief as well as the highs. It's about embracing the humanity in us, not trying to gloss over our emotions. There's a great part where she actually speaks about toxic positivity in the second half of the interview and why the idea of
1: closure isn't actually real. You can mourn death and celebrate life. It's not an either-or situation.
0: Exactly. And I really appreciate her approach in making sure people feel seen and heard and understood. She's all about that balance, and so is
1: Philoptimo life. Balance. Philotimo. Balantology?
0: Sure. I... Sure. Uh... <laughs> but it is why she... Doesn't just do funerals though, so keep that in mind. Notice that I said celebrations, ceremonies, and rituals, right? Mm-hmm. She wants to celebrate everything equally. Birthdays to to death days. She actually even mentioned wanting to do
1: divorces at some point. <laughs> That's wild. Yeah. She should be expecting a call from Bill Gates any day now. Topical. Oh my gosh! On that note, let's meet Linda. Uh, this Linda, not Linda Gates. Or,
0: what? Yeah, let's, what? Meet, let's meet her. Linda, thank you for speaking with me today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: So you are a certified life cycle celebrant. A very quick breakdown of what that means is that you work with families to create and deliver ceremonies. Can you expand on this a little bit more and also explain what took you down this career path?
2: Yeah, sure thing. So, yeah, the term celebrant is, is sort of somewhat of a generic term and, uh, you know, essentially, essentially anybody could call themselves a celebrant. So it becomes important to understand who you're working with and the style of training that they've had, if they've had training at all. So for me, I, I get to use the term Life Cycle Celebrant. That's that's a title that I earned based on the training that I experienced through the Celebrant Foundation and Institute. And there's a number of different types of training out there. There's, you know, there's weekend training, online weekend training. Um, I chose to to, um, to do my training with the Celebrant Foundation and Institute, it's a robust eight-month uh, experience. Four months of really foundation and uh, fundamentals of ceremony, and then the following four months is where you branch off and specialize in your area. So, I uh, initially chose to specialize in funerals. So, um, so yeah. So, there's different different types of celebrants and and different different methods and in, in which they work. For me, I look at ceremony the way I look at life, and everybody's life is completely unique and um, the circumstances are completely unique and so to me, every ceremony should should be completely unique so i I create them with a blank piece of paper with an open mind and heart and and uh And create something that's meaningful and authentic and and uh, and relevant to that particular family or individual.
0: Fantastic! You mentioned that you wanted to specialize in funerals. Yeah, you wanted to specialize in funerals. How come you chose funerals out of all of the?
2: I know. Like <laughs> I know. It's a strange thing to be passionate about. <laughs> no, I love it. Just, it. <laughs> um, it's
0: what?
2: a bit of it's a bit of a it's a bit of a story, so I'll give you the I'll give you the condensed version. I uh, feel I feel free I, to I get sort of, into the details. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been I've been around uh, the death profession, I suppose. I've been exposed to it for for really most of my most of my life. My father had a business um, in in that in that area. And so uh, talking about death and uh, just just being comfortable with it was something that that was always part, always part of my life. And about fifteen years ago, I found myself having a conversation with a funeral director about the trends that we're starting to see in, in funeral service. And again, this is 15 years ago. And something that he said to me, he said, you know, Linda, one of the most concerning trends is the trend to not have a funeral at all. And I was, I was really, I was like, well, what do you mean not have a funeral at all? How can you not have a funeral? Don't we need, don't we need funeral, don't we need a place to go when someone we love dies? Yeah, don't we need, course. don't we need that, that sense of community and that, you know, just that place for our grief to, and our love to, to land? And he said, yeah, he said, I, I think that we do, Linda. However, um, you know, people are, people are questioning the value in some of the the ways that we've been doing things traditional the traditional funeral and you know when you think about it we have we're all on this quest to live this authentic true honest life that that's our own and yet when it comes to funerals a lot of the time we kind of get put into these boxes okay you're traditional okay you're you know you're oh, you're religious you're and and really, the it, it had they haven't really they hadn't really changed very much for for quite some time. And again, remember this conversation took place 15 years ago. And I said to him, "Well, what are we going to do about this? Like, how are we <laughs> going? How are we?" Well, he also he also said, "You know, the other thing is, of course, that." We're seeing more secular families. We're seeing more blended families. We're seeing culturally blended, religiously blended, and people are not fitting into those boxes. So they, so they're choosing to do nothing because they don't think there is anything for them. And that I found that really, I was really upset by that because I'm one of those families. I, I come from one of those families, and I'm like, well, what am I going to do when someone I love dies? Is I'm going to need something. Who's going to help me with that? So then he went on to tell me that there was a new kind of officiant that we were starting to hear about, and they were called a celebrant. And uh, I'll never forget it because, of course, I, I had to ask what a celebrant was. And and as he was explaining it to me, I just I felt this light inside of me, and I was just like, "Wow, this is." He's describing something that not only can I do, but that I want to do, and that I feel that I have. You know all these random, seemingly useless skills that I had accumulated throughout the course of my forty years, I finally kind of felt like they found a home. And I thought, I can do this. I want to do this. So um, I became really passionate about about creating experiences for people in the context of a ceremony um, that that would that would help them honor their loved ones. Because I feel like everybody everybody needs and and everybody should be able to have that, regardless of their uh, regardless of whether or not they're religious or their cultural background. Um, so my beliefs really are not uh, relevant at all when it comes to this. It's it's all about whatever's going to bring comfort and meaning to that individual or family.
0: Yeah, and when you're creating those ceremonies, it sounds as if you really try to capture their being as how they were when they were alive, right? To like capture their personality and their persona, their characteristics and their values, as opposed to where some other, I guess, quote-unquote traditional funerals are more like they have to fit into as you said this box
2: yeah I think it's about I always say that I approach I approach getting to know someone in their life sort of like peeling away the layers of of Mm. an onion even like getting to the real getting to the real heart of who they were what made them light up what lessons did they leave what did What have Mm -hmm. they left behind for us that no one can ever take away? You know, it's not always about their life biographies. It's about what did they do with that life? Because that's what really, that's what I always feel. Like I get, I'm getting goosebumps just even saying this because it's that feeling of inviting them into the space that they really are there. And um, it's, yeah, so it's, it's a process. And of course I need to work with the family. You know, my ideal family to work with is, is a family who's, who's open to, to opening themselves up to me so that I can find the magic in those stories. And, and Mm -hmm. sometimes even see those stories, you know, we have these family stories that we tell over and over again, and they kind of change throughout the years, depending on who's telling them. And (laughs) um, they become, you know to have an outsider listen to them and interpret them perhaps from a different angle it's 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 really it's really interesting to see what can what can come of that and i think that even the process itself of getting to know someone's loved one the feedback that i've received from families is that it was very very healing because here i am I didn't know your mother, and you have a few hours to sit with me and share pictures and really help me get to know her. And so a lot of what people are sharing with me are things that maybe they've never even said out loud before. And they they discovered new things um, that they loved, or they discover things that they need to heal from. You know, not all, not mm-hmm. it's not always. Happy it's there's sometimes you know and 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 a funeral, a good ceremony can can address some of that as well because sometimes you know we we don't only grieve what we've had and lost. sometimes we grieve what we never had at all. and when someone dies, that's that's the end of that possibility. so that's that's another kind of grief that can be addressed and 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 healed from
0: through the through a good ceremony. so there's there's a Welsh word that is escaping me right now, but the definition of it is a feeling of longing to return to something that never existed. Mm. And uh, it, it's it seems as if you kind of find that point. And um, when you're speaking about the healing process itself, you you seem as if to be helping people feel heard and feel seen in those moments of vulnerability. Have there has there ever been a moment where you've met with a family and it was kind of you kind of have to pull a little bit to get that information out because, Absolutely, absolutely.
2: <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> get kind of good at that. Um, and then, and then there's also been situations where I meet with a family and discover over the course of, you know, the time that we spend together, which can range from, you know, two hours to, I have spent five hours in people's living rooms before. Um, and it's become apparent that everyone there has had a very different experience with yeah. the same person, and so, you know, an example might be uh, that someone who's had perhaps two families, and you know, they're the 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 first family that they that they created um, feels sh- shadowed by the second family that was mm. created, and you know, you get you have. You have stepchildren, step siblings, um, lots of different dynamics coming into play that takes quite a bit of time and some digging to get to. And it's not about airing dirty laundry or anything like that. It's about me yeah. really truly understanding the whole situation so that I can help everybody feel heard and held. And and it's, sometimes it's it's not even about... It's just acknowledging in a very simple way, um, you know, the elephant in the room. I always say elephants do not belong at funerals. (laughs) They don't belong really anywhere except for where they're supposed to be, Um, but they don't belong at funerals. It's a really uncomfortable feeling when you know that something should be said. And, and I always say yeah. to families, there's a way of saying it without saying it so that people can then go, okay, now we can just sit back move
0: forward a little bit yeah, and relax,
2: and, and, and use this opportunity to, to move forward. Um, so we do, we do need to, yeah. Cause I mean, I think we've all been to one of those funerals where we're sitting there and it's like something is really off
0: but we like can't Like this yeah
2: yeah and it just it feels just like you you wonder if you're at the right funeral like did i come on the wrong day <laughs> <laughs> who are they talking about
0: is this right. my aunt gertrude or who is this what's going really on yeah
2: <laughs> it's a really it's a really terrible feeling and um and oftentimes it's just it's it's an accumulation. It could be a number of things. It could be that you know the officiant is is mispronouncing the deceased's name, right? That oh, happens. Um, it could be that uh, that it's that it's that it's very religious, and and you know Uncle Bob, the only time he ever talked about God was when he was swearing. So I mean, it could <laughs> you know that that's not going to feel right. And and the other is the other way is true too that they were that they were religious and that that's not part of the ceremony so it's it's not about it's about it's about it's about creating an experience that that feels that feels right that feels authentic yeah. um, and you know without a doubt whose funeral you are at. <laughs>
0: Yeah. So you, you mentioned, actually, I want to go back to, you mentioned that you had this conversation that led you down this uh, career path, what was it, 10, 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. And um, this is still life cycle celebrant. That's a that's a term that many people are unfamiliar with. I know when I was speaking with people ahead of having this conversation with you, they were like, what is that? That's so interesting. Tell me more. So this is a new title that's come about. Celebrancy originated in Australia, New Zealand, about 50 years ago, and since then it's been adopted in other regions like Europe, Asian, Americas. And particularly with like a North American context, why, or I guess, what do you think has triggered this newfound profession to kind of emerge? I know we were speaking about the move away from traditional funerals, but like why precisely in this moment do you think it's it's kind of getting an uptick?
2: I think part of it is just the way... I think it's a response to the way that we live our lives now, which is a little different. And mm-hmm. um, I mean, I remember when I was growing up, I just kind of wanted to blend in and, and and be like everybody else. I didn't want to draw too much. I had to have the same running shoes as everybody else. I had to have the same the same brand yeah. of jeans and the little, you know, all that was really important to me. I wanted to blend in. And now I think there's so much emphasis on, no, you know what? this is who I am. I am proud of who I am. This is how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to make my own decisions. I don't need to go along with the norm. And I think that people people are also spending their money differently these days. I find that um, mm. it's, it's, it's less about uh, collecting stuff and more about creating memories through meaningful experiences. So I think that it, it becomes a value thing, and people are looking for something that is truly going to be unique and remembered, and not the same. Because a cookie cutter funeral is 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 not is just not ticking off the boxes for people. Mm. Um, I think that people are discovering different. Um, they're just, they're expanding, they're expanding the possibilities of what they're going to believe. You know, it's not just one, you know, you might take a little bit from here and a little yeah. bit from there and they're almost creating their own, um, their own religions to 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 live by. And so I think it's about having, working with an officiant who, who's going to be open to that and who's going to respect that and honor that and incorporate that.
0: Do you see, how, how do you see this? In like five to 10 years from now, like, do you see anything particularly changing or pivoting that uh, will be influenced or impacted even by celebrants?
2: I just think that it's going to become more normal. I think that our, mm-hmm. our, the, the definition of a funeral now, I think, is going to be redefined. And I think that we're going to see, I mean, we use the term celebration of life a lot. That's kind of replaced uh, for a lot of people the term funeral. Um, Which I love by the way. Yeah, I, I, I like it too. However, the, the part that I, that I um, am only concerned about is that sometimes we hear the word celebration and we automatically sort of go to party mode. Mm. And I think we still need to uh, be conscious of the fact that somebody has died. Yeah. And that while we can celebrate their life, we also need to mourn their death. You know it's really about creating a space where all emotions are are welcome to be acknowledged and to be expressed and and um and and so
0: um it's about being vulnerable right to some degree, like having the comfort to be vulnerable in a space with people that know the person that yeah. has, has past and they can share stories and they don't have to be sad stories it can be uplifting and fun stories absolutely
2: right? absolutely it's it's a you know, laughter, tears, the whole bit, the whole thing. Um, so I, 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 I think that as time goes by and people experience more this kind of um, ceremony, because, you know, what I was starting to say about celebration of life, yeah, I think that people... Some people will just sort of have an open mic or they'll meet at a restaurant and there'll be a microphone set up and okay we're having a celebration of life and and people will get up and share stories and that's that's great. But I have worked with families who who had something like that um but then they craved something more and they couldn't quite figure out what it was but they but what it turned out to they really needed that um structure that that
0: Interesting they structure. Cer-
2: they needed a ceremony, and and when I use the word structure, that doesn't mean stuffy. That doesn't mean formal necessarily. It just means that somebody is leading them, holding space, and leading them through an experience that they don't have to facilitate themselves.
0: With with COVID, um, how has the structure changed in terms of you providing these ceremonies to people? Because now a lot of uh, almost everything. Um, has to be done online or streamed. How has that impacted the structure and even, I guess, the energy or the the feeling during these ceremonies? And do you, do you see this becoming kind of like a norm where people are kind of live streaming um, funerals or ceremonies or, what, or whatever the case may be? Or do we see it more so reverting back or is there going to be a combination of the two? What do you, yeah. what do you think?
2: So I think that... As time is going by, we are desperately craving real-life human connection. Um, And so I think that once we're able to have that again, I think we're going to hang on to it. (laughs) We're (laughs) certainly not going to take it for granted like we might have done in the past. Who would have ever thought that... This would happen to us. I, I certainly,
0: maybe naively, never did. Uh, I, I think of um, in the 1920s when how they just went into like party mode, and I used <laughs> to wonder like, why did they go into party No, What's going on? What happened? And then I'm like, oh, they went through a plague in 1918 <laughs> and 1919. That makes sense. So yeah. Very good yeah. for the 2020s.
2: <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. So, but but saying that, I I also feel that. You know, because of Covid, we've really we have had to pivot. We've had to really get creative about the ways that we can connect. And mm-hmm. ultimately, uh, I think that this has opened up opened up some opportunities for people to connect in ways that they hadn't been before. I mean, before it was like, well, if you went to a funeral, and you had family, let's say you're here you're here in Ontario and you have family in England. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe you would videotape it, <laughs> right? so that they could watch it later. <clears throat> but they're still just watching it. They're not really mm. part of it. So, um, I think that you know the the online the Zoom funeral, for instance, I'll share an experience I had. Um, I had a little while ago, I, I delivered a ceremony, a double memorial <clears throat> over Zoom. We were all on Zoom. And uh, thankfully, I worked with a company, the family worked with a company that took care of all the tech, uh, so I didn't have to officiate and try to mute and unmute because that's 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 challenging to to really hold a space and be present and be doing all of that in the background so yeah, of course <laughs> so that certainly made that a little bit easier for me but uh, they had family here in Ontario and a lot of family in England so this enabled them to honor their parents and involve uh, people that, if it weren't for covid they would not have been part of it they would have had a traditional funeral they would have had something here and and maybe these people would have been able to watch it afterwards or so i i was actually very very surprised by the level of connection that i felt and that 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 afterwards discovered that they also felt with each other um you know we were able to incorporate rituals it, we had a formal structured Another ceremony we all lit a candle together we all blew it out at the end together we created some some beautiful language around the meaning of the candle because just lighting a candle has no meaning but when you attach you know words then it then it means (laughs) some symbolism now it makes sense um there were eulogies there was music there were video tributes um it was uh it was really, really wonderful. We told everyone to to switch on to gallery view so we could see everybody lighting their candle together. Love it. And then at the, end, at the end, uh, we all blew our candles out, watched the smoke rise up. Some people believe when you blow a candle out that the smoke sends wishes to heaven. So we made a wish. Everybody made their own wish. And it was really, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful way to end the ceremony. So it was, uh, it's funny. I went into the kitchen afterwards and my... Uh, my husband was there and he said you have that glow that you get after a ceremony. I love that. <laughs> so, and I think cuz I had been craving it for, it had been it had been quite some time because everything well most things were postponed or
0: yeah.
2: canceled or so it was really lovely to um to 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 have that experience. So I am a big believer in it now. I I it's I wasn't sure but I I'm telling people now like It can really be meaningful, beautiful experience. So, yeah, and maybe when we can all be together, you can have something else. We can do something else. But for now, you know, to to not to just have our grief and our love and our memories and our just sort of floating around, it needs a place to land. And so, this can help in the interim. This can really help.
0: Yeah. So this this is an example of a funeral, and I know. And there are other ceremonies that you also um, officiate, such as weddings, though there are other ones as well. Can you give us some examples of certain milestones that you, that you help um, celebrate? And also, if you can speak to the importance of kind of recognizing transitions that we go through as humans and recognizing those in life and the importance of that as well.
2: Right. Well, we go through a lot of transitions in our lives, and like you said, like we tend to focus our ceremonies on, you know, weddings and funerals and maybe graduations. Yeah. Um, you know, we might have birthday parties, but very seldom is there actually a ceremonial element to it. Um, blowing out candles is a ritual, of course, but um, so I'm oh, all great. about I'm I'm all about taking these these moments that we got that we have in these transitions and 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 making them, really marking them in a in a meaningful significant and healing way um a great example would be um a divorce ceremony and people are like what
0: a divorce ceremony so here was- for it
2: <laughs> <laughs> is that when you they're like is that when you when you throw darts at pictures of your ex <laughs> oh my
0: gosh
2: <laughs> or maybe you burn the wedding dress and uh, and i'm like no 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 that's not really what i'm talking about <laughs> but i mean you know it it it's I've been, as someone who has been divorced it's 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 a really and and was divorced when I had two two young children. Uh, I often wish that that I had known about something like this. I mean, I'm going back twenty two three years now, so I didn't even know there was a celebrant back then, but uh, <laughs> you know, I think that something like that could have really really helped me reframe what mm. I was feeling during that time. I was feeling, you know, all kinds, of guilt, failure, and all of these emotions. I also felt, you know, there was a lot of, well, who are, who do, who are my friends now? What, what happens to our couple friends? There was a, like, just a, it's a really, really huge change. And, my children and are they going to be okay and what are they experiencing and so you know the fact that I could have we could have something called a divorce ceremony where you know um maybe I say vows to myself
0: maybe that's beautiful I was gonna ask what does that look like yeah
2: I don't know because I haven't done it. <laughs> I wish I wish I had. I am I am I have been throwing out for years to people. Let me. I will do a divorce ceremony. So if anybody's listening to this, <laughs>
0: yeah, I was gonna say if I haven't, if I know anyone gonna like divorced, to be send them your way.
2: <laughs> I just think it's yeah. I think to be surrounded with your with your community. As you walk through this door, I think, you know, when in situations like this, we, we focus a lot on the door closing behind us, but we need to focus also on the door that's opened in front of us. And we need to actually step into that. And I think being with your community, uh, the people that you know are going to be there for you. And... And really acknowledging not just the the pain of the divorce, but the beauty maybe of the marriage. Maybe there was some beautiful things in the marriage. There probably was. We don't usually marry people that we don't don't like, (laughs) right? And these two children that were as a result of this marriage, like finding the good, it can really, I think it can really put you on the right path, on a positive path to to, to, to acknowledging that there's still joy, there's still joy everywhere and, and, yeah. and, and, and just, yeah, I think that there's a lot of, and I can't tell you exactly what that divorce ceremony would look like because it all depends on the circumstances of that person, but of course. Just, it can be an incredibly healing, healing process.
0: I like the word they used, reframing, like the reframing of the feelings of the situation going on because it kind of puts into perspective of, okay... This is the reality that I'm facing, and this is how I'm going to move forward. And I know in a, in a previous conversation I've had with you, you mentioned that the importance of um, these types of ceremonies where you can heal from like a loss or a difficult time period, there's, it's really important to, to foster that during these, these moments that you're celebrating. With that said, we're going to take a very quick break and be right back. So about that onion comment.
1: Yes, I'm so glad you mentioned it. Um, <laughs> Do you know what else is like an onion?
0: What else is like an onion, Mr Deep?
1: <laughs> there it is. <laughs> Ogres are like onions. They have layers. Gosh, okay. Are we done with that? <laughs> wait, wait, one more, one more, one more,
0: one more. Okay, I know you have to get out of your system. That's why I brought it up.
1: Don't care. All right, we're good. We're done. So, uh, quick question. What was that word that you couldn't remember earlier in the interview?
0: It was hiraf. And the meaning of it, I remember I was looking into, I remember Googling a feeling and an emotion I was experiencing, and I could not label it. Um, and I found, a, I found this word, and it means a homesickness for a home to which you cannot return, a home which maybe never was, the nostalgia, the yearning, the grief for the lost places of your past.
1: Cool. I love me some, uh, some Welsh. Mm. Big up Cardiff. Mm-hmm.
0: So in honor of our slogan, breathing life into the conversation around death, let's do a game of six facts under. We'll take six key points from the conversation with Linda that our listeners can use to celebrate life a little bit more rather than mourning death. Ready?
1: I thought you'd never ask.
0: Number one, the spike in life cycle celebrants is happening because people desire to showcase their individuality. According to psychological science, individualism has increased by about 12% worldwide since 1960. Linda says that the growing need to celebrate one's individualism is key to life cycle
1: celebrancy. So if we want to properly celebrate someone's life, how do we honour the individualism?
0: Well, since most traditional funerals are more about tradition and processes, they don't really embody the person meant to be honoured, almost as if they're being neglected.
1: Yeah, we're so busy honouring ideas and potentially, like, outdated rituals that we actually forget who we're honouring in the first place. Exactly. So when
0: you focus on a person's individualism, you design a ceremony that takes into account the person's religion or spirituality, their interests and personality. Basically, all the things that help you to define who they were as a person when they were alive.
1: Yeah, it's like the uh, issue that we mentioned last season with uh, family members of trans individuals burying them under their dead names and basically mourning a completely different individual than the one that actually died?
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. So all these facets that make up a person's individuality and identity should be reflected in the ceremony itself. It makes for a beautiful remembrance. I like it. Yeah. What's the next one? The next one is the experiences over materialism mantra also applies to your funeral. The advertising agency Momentum Worldwide, says that 76% of consumers prefer to spend on experiences than material items. As we know, spending habits are changing and people are starting to realize that experiences, which as you've guessed, include rituals, celebrations, and other events, might be worth more than that shiny object that's collecting dust on your
1: desk. Ah yes, the Marie Kondo effect in a sense. It's kind of weird to describe funerals as an experience, but it's better than describing it as a service, I guess. I don't know.
0: Mm, We've also been referencing Marie Kondo quite a bit this season.
1: Yeah, we should probably do a whole episode on it coming up. I think that would be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, and how it relates to getting things in order, end-of-life planning.
1: Yeah, very important. So people moving towards a more simplified life with less clutter and their focus on experiences they can have with people and their loved ones, basically, it only makes sense that people are going to start creating experiences with all the free space they've made after clearing through all the junk like physically and emotionally.
0: Mm -hmm, Exactly. Like your space is a reflection of your mental state almost. As someone who's trying to practice the art of minimalism actually, and I am kind of failing, it's fine. I do want to say that cultivating experiences does surpass cultivating stuff. New shoes, don't really need them. New car, mine is just fine. But spending time with loved ones, man, that's the good stuff right there. On to the next one. Let's do it. Number three. Rituals improve performance by decreasing anxiety. That's by Harvard Business School and their paper called Organizational Behavior and Human Decision Processes. In this paper, it draws a link to the importance of rituals and their impact on our anxiety. As those who've experienced a death know, anxiety is a very common emotion you deal with along with all the other ones. From a historical lens, it's seen that a human's interpretation of rituals actually helps us cope. With this knowledge, it's easy to see why it's important that we create rituals around these ceremonies, such as how Linda creates rituals with all of her ceremonies for families, like the candle example, she
1: said. So to better celebrate someone's life, we need death ceremonies that honor our individualism. They need to understand that a funeral is an experience like weddings and birthdays. And of course, it's not gonna be all smiles and roses. We get that. And then the final thing is that focusing on rituals has been proven to help our mental health. Especially when people are grieving.
0: Yep, exactly. Now, on to the second part of the interview.
1: Wait, we only did three facts. It's supposed to be six facts under, dude.
0: It's a shallow grave. Don't worry about it. We are back. So I'm with Linda, and we're speaking about Life Cycle Celebrants. And I remember you mentioned... It can be a challenge for secular families to know how to navigate the next steps following the death of a loved one. This is because most of our post-death ceremonies, to an extent, are currently embedded within a religious context. When the ceremony doesn't reflect the individual um, person who has passed their beliefs, their their intentions, the entire ceremony you mentioned, it can feel a little awkward or inauthentic. That can be like the elephant in the room Mm -hmm. I want to mention this can be particularly true for secular families especially, and your practice in particular does focus on secular families. Can you speak to the need to recognize that religion and funerals are not mutually exclusive?
2: Right. It's amazing to me how many, how many families still associate religion with funerals and can't quite imagine one without the other. Uh, I have a uh, an acquaintance who came to my attention a few years ago that her husband had died, and uh, we were talking. and um, I said, so what what did you what did you do for for a funeral?" And she said, "Oh, oh, we didn't have a funeral. We didn't have a funeral. Bob wasn't religious, so we didn't have a funeral. It goes back to them just not fitting into the traditional religious funeral box and not ever maybe experiencing, Anything to the contrary, so they just assumed that there's nothing. There's nothing for me, or there's nothing that's, that that wouldn't feel. So rather than have something that feels wrong, we'll just have nothing that that can feel empty. And you know, so so yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, but I think that when it comes to funerals, people have a hard time imagining what a ceremony can look like without, without religion, you know, and when I use the word ritual, um, people will be like, whoa, whoa, that sounds scary. That sounds religious. That sounds uncomfortable and formal. And, and I'm like, no, you know, let's talk about it. Let's think about what it was that your loved one cared about. And let's create something, um, that people can, um, can participate in.
0: How, how can we get more people, to like, how do we better educate people to know that this is an option for them? I, like, that it doesn't necessarily have to revolve around religious context. Like, there are other options for your yeah. funeral. How do we get people to know this?
2: Well, you're starting the conversation, which is great. <laughs> <laughs> so, so podcasts like this, and I think that just, you know, we're, we're, we're getting better at talking about death slowly, mm-hmm. I think. Maybe, maybe COVID has something to do with this. Maybe I always say it's so, I find it so amusing how we spend, you know, months and months and months preparing and talking about birth. But um, when it comes to death, yep. you know, we don't want to, because if we talk about it, it might actually happen, right? <laughs>
0: but it will eventually. <laughs> exactly. I,
2: know. I know. So I think, but I do think that people are becoming more comfortable talking about it. And I think that it doesn't need to be the scary conversation that it is. So I think just encouraging people to talk. And I think that the more, the more kinds, the more funerals that people do experience that, that are more, they're uplifting. Um, that, you know, like a good funeral is when you, you drive home and, and you feel just, you're so grateful. You just feel grateful for knowing this person, for, for, um, you know, you, you, you want to live your life better. You want to hug the people you love tighter. It's just, it's, it's a really, you know, it, it really, it shines a light on the possibilities that we have in life. And so, you know, I always say when we talk about death, yeah, it's hard because nobody wants to imagine, nobody wants to imagine life without someone that they love or nobody wants to imagine their own life being over. But, um, but it really does. It really does put things in perspective and helps us realize that you know this life that we have, it's not going to go on forever. So let's let's do what we want to do with it and be who we want to be. Um, so yeah, I think podcasts like this. I, I I I do my best to you know I've written quite a few articles about it and. I'd like to do some webinars and really help educate people and let them see the possibilities. Um, some people I've worked with—they're like, "I'm actually excited for my funeral now." <laughs> <laughs> Putting the fun in funeral, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, loosely, again, again, yeah. I'm not a fan of the happy clappy the party, funeral, I think. <laughs> but yeah. a little bit of fun—a little bit of fun—is always a good thing.
0: <laughs> Love it. Uh, yeah, and I. I I feel as if we're, we're getting to, uh, to your comment about being more comfortable with talking about that, That we're getting to a point where it's not being seen as like a, a morbid conversation. Um, but I, I want to say there's still people who think uh, it can be. And I know before this conversation that before today's conversation, me and you had touched base about um, the term toxic positivity and the idea of closure and the role those ideas play when it comes to milestone ceremonies. Um, for those unfamiliar, toxic positivity is the excessive and ineffective overgeneralization of a happy, optimistic state across all situations. And closure is the act of closing or coming to terms with something in your life. And we, in our conversation, we we spoke about how this can greatly impact um, ceremonies. Can you speak to how these ideas impact end-of-life ceremonies?
2: Yeah, sure. I have, I have sort of this... Uh... Uh, I really don't like the term closure in, mm-hmm. in in the context of funerals, and 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 we we still hear it a lot, and it still gets thrown around a lot. Oh, you need to have a funeral because it will provide you with closure. And I'm like, what is clo- what is that? Yeah. What is that? Like, what are we closing? We're cl- like, what are we closing? Um, you know, we close books and deals and doors. <laughs> I don't exactly know. <laughs> I don't exactly know what it's like this final. I, I just, when I, when I, when I hear the word closure, I'll actually picture a door closing and it's like, okay, mm-hmm. done. I am done. It's over. I'm going to walk the other way. And it's, I think it sets people up for, I don't think it's a good term to use as the reason for having a funeral. I think there's lots of good reasons to have a funeral, to foster connection to 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 share love and grief and stories and laughter and tears to 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 forgive, to heal wounds, to to accept um, to, you know, there's lots of good reasons to have a funeral, but closure, I don't understand that one. And, um, you know, my husband, I'll share this story about my husband with his, I have his permission. I've written a story about it, so I know he's okay. <laughs> um, it, his mom died, who he was extremely close to, four years ago. And we did everything we were supposed to do. You know, we we had when I say supposed to do everything that we're told to do in terms of when someone, so we had, we had a visitation so that everybody, we wrote a beautiful obituary, first of all, like a very lengthy and we shared told stories and it was great. We had a, we had a, a visitation where people could come and, 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 and support us and, and her body, she was there and they could say goodbye to her. So, that's all about closure, right? You want to you want to let everybody see that there she is. So we did that. Um, we had a beautiful memorial that truly looked more like a wedding than a memorial because she was yeah. such a, Such a girly girl and loved all things sparkly and pretty. And I think that's why I loved her so much. We had that in common and (laughs) and we decorated it so beautifully. And it was a beautiful ceremony with, you know, we had rituals and it was meaningful and we had a wonderful party afterwards. And we did all of that stuff that we were supposed to do. There's nothing else we could have done. And a number of months later, my husband sat down with me one day and he said, something's wrong with me. And I'm like, what, what do you mean? He said, I'm just so sad. Just so mm. sad. Like, where, where's the closure? And I'm like, really? <laughs> really? Did he know your standpoint at this moment? Oh, he or? did. He did, but he still bought into it. He still, oh, no. absolutely did know. But he still was waiting for that day when he would wake up and feel normal again. Yeah. And I'm like, honey, there, there is no, that normal is gone That normal died with your mom. We have to find a new normal now. That's what you're going to wake up in, and that's what you're going to create as time goes by. But, you know, how can you you feel normal about life when the person that gave you life is no longer here? Mm -hmm. You know? So it was like such a relief for him to hear from me that he wasn't going crazy, that this was a normal response to your mother dying. And that just because we did all the things we were supposed to do, and it those things we did gave us a lot of other things. And they 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 helped us in other ways, but but closure is just not it's not a good it's not a good term for us to use. I don't think that's my in my opinion. <laughs> it just yeah. it, what it implies, what it implies is not is not realistic. We're not gonna close we're not going to close anything in one day. If, if we're ever, it's never what, if it ever closes, it's certainly not going to close in, in one day. But I think that we're, we're becoming so afraid of, um, you know, feeling all the feels it's like, you know, want to be happy, happy, happy all the time. You can't pick up a magazine without it's having some kind of article about, you know, 10 ways to be happy. (laughs) And there's nothing wrong with being happy. I like being happy, (laughs) but I think, I think, you know, the goal of being human should maybe be whole maybe versus happy. And just, you know, we need the, the the human experience embodies a full spectrum of, of emotions. Um, and I think that, um, You know, we just, we've become so afraid of it. And I think that's where the happy funerals are coming from. God forbid we should ever feel sad about anything. Um, But if you doesn't, if it, 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 things will come out sideways. If if you don't, if you don't find a way for them to get out, they'll come out sideways. And it's not always the best way for them to come out. So
0: what's that quote? uh, What you resist persists. Exactly. If If you're, if you're pushing something down. Whether it be sadness or anger, it's 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 going to come out eventually, and it may not may take a whole different shape than what you are accustomed to experiencing. Absolutely
2: so I, one I, one of my favorites is uh, the wound is where the light shines. Something like that, but even anyway, that is beautiful. Well, the <laughs> wound is where the light gets in. The wound is where the light oh. gets in. I love that one. Yeah. gotta, you gotta, you, you have to, you have to feel the feels. So yeah, there's my thoughts on closure.
0: (laughs) Good way to close. (laughs) Perfect. Exactly. (laughs) Um, thank you for sharing all your thoughts. My, my, my one last question I ask everyone is how, how do you want to be remembered? This is such a simple, but difficult question. (laughs) I'm I'm notoriously known for them. So (laughs) those types of questions.
2: I would love to be remembered as someone who embraced her vulnerability. um, Someone who loved wholeheartedly and um, someone who created space so people could, could find, can find meaning in their lives.
0: That's what I would like to be remembered by. Amazing! Thank you. You've, you've shared so much with me today um, in terms of the, life cycle celebrant um role and like the role that you play for families during that transition of their period in life so thank you for sharing it all with me today
2: thank you for having me this has been fun
0: you've spoken to me about your thoughts on toxic positivity and you also have mentioned it in a previous episode what were your thoughts on her comments about closure and how it's basically a myth
1: yeah i agree with her it's a good point um just like with edgar for my last season He still has his bad days. And say it with me, folks. Grief Grief isn't linear. That was gross. I hated that every second of doing that. (laughs) Absolutely disgusting. (laughs) Never doing that again.
0: Oh, God. Okay. Anyways, toxic positivity. Thoughts?
1: (laughs) Okay. Buckle up. I'm going in. It's ironic to me that some of the most toxic, positive people I know all fart out the word good vibes only. No, Susan. It's not good vibes. In fact, you bring so little in the way of good vibes, you actively suck up any existing good vibes. You're like the antimatter of vibes. You're, you're a black hole of vibes, right? So sharing some faux-meaningful cursive bullshit from a closet racist author from 50 years ago doesn't help anyone get over their grief, does it? Oh gosh, are you done? Hearing
0: you rant with your accent is so funny. Okay, sorry, are you done?
1: <laughs> Why? what's it's like you
0: get so heated and like it enunci- like your enunciations of
1: enunciate the word. Yeah. Enunci-
0: yeah okay sorry <laughs> are you done
1: <laughs> no stop being negative so there's a comedian called Tim Minchin who describes it perfectly he says he's Australian he's like they're like snipers using bollocks for ammunition mate right and i just really love that phrase So the idea of shutting people out of your life that are trying to process negative emotions freely and cutting them out for bringing in, quote, negative vibes is just super damaging, you morons, right? So some really annoying person on my Instagram posted some Audrey Hepburn quote today. Nothing is impossible. The word itself says I'm possible. Nothing is impossible. Okay, do a backflip. Do a backflip right now. Exactly, so... Understanding accepting that bad things happen is essential to the grieving process. It's literally the point of this podcast. So no toxic positivity, please. Some people can do backflips, Amo. Yeah, but not the person that was posting that quote, clearly. Right, you're missing the point. We need to turn this into a segment, the angst corner with your host, Amo Samal. I have more edge than a rhombicocidodecahedron. Wow, good for you i
0: um, not going to Google it though, and on a serious note, to your point about people being forced to just be happy all the time, I have to refer to two quotes. The first being, what you resist persists. And the second one being, every time you resist feeling an emotion, it goes down to the basement to lift weights. <laughs> Basically, it means that if you don't let yourself feel it fully when you initially feel the emotion, it's going to come back and hit you harder later on. So either be a little sad and down now in return to avoid a full-on depressive episode later.
1: Yeah, man, like, nothing is worse than swole emotions. Bro, my depression is jacked, mate. Oh. Bro, my depression is jacked to tets.
0: <laughs> there was also a point where she was speaking about closure.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. That was uh, her partner experiencing the death of his mom, right?
0: Yeah, and as she was mentioning it, it reminded me of how unprepared we all are when it comes to dealing with death and dying. No one knows what to expect because we weren't taught about it. What were your thoughts on the closure comment?
1: Like most things, I don't think it exists in the way that we think it does. So we're chasing the idea or the simulacra of closure rather than closure itself. So movies have closure, books, that kind of stuff has closure. Real life doesn't work that way. So I think you're setting up unrealistic expectations of what your grief process is looking like. Um, I know from first-hand experience, though, that getting as close as you can to some form of closure or even just making an effort on your part can be really impactful.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that to an extent. To be honest, before this conversation, I didn't give this idea much thought in terms of Linda's context of how closure is a myth. I have to say at this moment, there's a part of me that really agrees with her because you'll never go back to normal, quote unquote, after experiencing a death. There's only the new reality you have to learn to adjust to. There's your reality before the death and the reality after. You can't go back.
1: Yeah, no, agree. And back to Edgar's story from last season, right? It's that hashtag new normal, the one that advertisers are like peddling to you after forgetting that you've existed all throughout COVID.
0: Mm. Thanks for all the new marketing campaigns, COVID.
1: Yeah, advertisers, in these unprecedented times. Like, piss off. Um, So, listeners, what does closure mean to you? Speaking of closure, it's...
0: Time to close this episode. Thanks again to our guest, Linda. You can find her at Linda Stewart Celebrant, or simply click the link in the show
1: notes. Thanks for listening, and as always, remember to follow us on social too. We (laughs) don't touch. Goodbye.